I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello and welcome in to the Fog.net podcast. My name is Michael Swain, the Kansas beat writer for 24-7 Sports. Joined like I am every Sunday night during the football season, or I should say Sunday. We're doing a Sunday night podcast this week, but <laughs> Kevin Flaherty joins me. And we're going to talk about a team that, that lost a game with its backup quarterback, defense played all right in spurts, offense was inconsistent, and of course I'm talking about the 49ers. Uh, that's what we're here to talk about today. No, I'm joking. We're here to talk about Kansas um, after a 35-23 to loss to Baylor on the road. Um, let, let's make this a, a quick one. Let's dive right in here, Kevin. Where do you want to start with this? Do you want to go offense, defense? We can even throw special teams. There's special teams to talk about. Where, where, where should we start tonight? You know, I, I feel like I want to start with a with a general thing and almost go chronological just okay. because yeah. I think that we talked last week and after the TCU game about Lance Leipold's comments, right? And, and Or I guess two weeks ago. And how he said basically after that game, you know, people were like, oh, game day was here, great atmosphere, you know, you lose your starting quarterback, your backup quarterback goes in. You guys were so close. Hmm. And he didn't say, yeah, man, like that was awesome. Like we were right there. What he said was our margin for error is thin. Hmm. And we need to be a certain something in order for the University of Kansas to win a football game and win a football game against a good opponent. And you can't have these little things go wrong at this point. And he goes, it's not right or wrong it's the state of where the program is right now they're mm -hmm. still learning how to win you know obviously still developing talent still hoping to to get better in a lot of ways but i really thought that as much as you came out of that tcu game and said man you know jalen doesn't fumble the ball on the goal line mm -hmm. if you know you hit the little flare out pass to devin neal on second down, it, if this, that, and the other would have gone differently, you won that game. I think Lance Leipold was, was probably having a little bit of, of deja vu, right, against mm -hmm. Baylor where he looks at the start to that game and the end of that game. And you can't really talk about this on Twitter because 
it's so few characters, you know, there's no nuance. Yeah, exactly. But I think that you can be both simultaneously proud of the fight that your team showed. They didn't give up. They fought back into the game. They, they closed it to five. And I think you can also say, well, we closed it to five. We didn't get the stop when we needed to at the end. But more importantly than that, sleptwalked kind of through through a half and, and you're not going to beat a good team and, and you and i have talked about this off air i think baylor has a chance to be a pretty good team this year when you watch them um they aren't far off and, and so uh, i think that when you saw baylor having the success that they did and some of the things that they did it was easy to to look at it and say okay baylor is starting to find its footing Really nice response from Kansas, but again, like Leipold said against TCU, no margin for error, and Kansas cut its own margin for error away. What did you think? Yeah, I, I agree, and it's something I think you know I've talked about in the the post game rap video after the Oklahoma game, and you know basically I feel like I keep repeating myself each week because it's the same issue each week, right? It, it's kind of those fine margins, and yeah. when you're Kansas, you can't sleepwalk through a full half and. Again, like you can spin it, and that's the thing about I think this team right now is you can really spin this however you want. If you want to get down in the dumps, you can, and you, sure, if you want to. But you, I could also spin this and say, well, look at that. KU didn't play a half football. They just let Baylor play football for a half, and KU just decided not to play. And then in the second half, they were able to make it a game. And I think you yeah. can take that and spin that as a positive too, but I think you're right. Like you look at just the overall margin, you know, Kansas is not at a point with its backup quarterback with the team banged up overall, you can't have halves like that and still expect to win the game. And I think it's a, obviously a credit to the offense that they turn it on the second half. But I just think overall, I think you're right. I think you look at the game, the start, just diabolical, honestly. Like from the start, it was diabolical, right? You go three and out, a 14-yard punt in the wind. In the wind, like, sure, the broadcast kept hitting at home all game, like the wind, the wind, the wind, even after the sideline reporter came on and said, hey, the wind's kind of died down here. But you have that. Then you have a fumble on the next drive, and you're basically setting Baylor up with short fields. And, again, what has this team done all season? It's been explosive on offense for the most part and then really forced the opposing team to take the long road. Go 65 yards. Go 75 yards, right? You have to execute. And by giving him short fields, I mean, you're basically handing Baylor the ball and saying, all right, now go score. Because KU's defense, just over the course of a drive, finds a way to get in those plays where, okay, you know, third and long and you can get a stop. Where when you give them a short field, it's just asking them to go and score. And so I think from the get-go, I guess we could probably start defensively in, in the first half at least. Like, I think for me, when I look at it, you know, the short field is such a huge thing. Because, again, it puts so much pressure on the defense to, from the get-go, get a stop. And you look at Baylor's offensive line, man, those guys are physical, and they are big. And I think that, from my perspective, right, I think I've talked a lot about how KU substituted and how they've tried to really widen the margin on the defensive line by keeping those guys fresh and making sure those guys play a couple snaps and come out, a couple snaps and come out. They just got outmatched, and it didn't even matter how rested those guys were. The Baylor offensive line was bigger, stronger, more physical, and I think that really set the tone. And in the first half, I think it really just limited what KU could do because we've heard it a lot from Brian Borland saying, okay, if you get to 
third and short, really hard to call plays as a defensive coordinator. You've heard Andy Koldenecki say when you get to third and short, it's really easy to call plays. Well, Baylor barely got to third down anyway, and that's something that they've done all season, right? They entered the game with the least amount of third downs in the Big 12. And I think for KU, it just started with the run defense, and it was an issue all game. But I think for me, you look at the team early in the season, right? They stopped the run pretty well. Teams were getting about, you know, four yards of carry around there, and then, you know, it just kind of compounded where you give up, you know, back-to-back weeks now of almost 300 yards in consecutive games. So I think for me, when I look at the defensive performance in the first half, it, obviously it goes through the whole game, but I think specifically in the first half, just defense, it's like, man, couldn't stop the run. And then there were just those back-breaking third-down plays where mm-hmm. KU just could not get off the field on third down, right? Baylor converts two third and longs, and you're just looking at it and saying those were the plays that if KU's going to get back in the game and get the score before the end of the half or um, make those, again, we talk about winning plays, those plays, man, those third downs were so crucial. So I think for me, you look at that first half defensively, a lot went wrong. Obviously, I think the defense wasn't great in the first half, but I'll tell you what, the offense did them no favors in terms of playing kind of that complimentary football that Lance Leipold talks about a lot. Well, yeah, and I'm glad you brought up the punt too because, you know, Kansas' defense forced three turnovers. And you look at that and you say, gosh, our defense forces three turnovers. You know, you – you should win that game probably, or at least, you know, have a really good shot at it. But Kansas's offense turned the ball over twice. I mean, one, you can argue, you know, I'm still not sure about that Quentin Skinner. The second one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But at the same time, there's two there. And let's be honest, a 14 yard punt is a turnover. It is. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a turnover in terms of, it, you don't flip the field on, on that punt and, and you're giving the ball away in, in an advantageous, you know, position. And so really, you know, if you count that punt, it's three turnovers to three and Kansas oh. didn't get the advantage from those turnovers that, that you would have expected. I, I think the the point on third down is, is a really salient one. And I think it's one that, you have to look at moving forward with, with Kansas having four games left. If you're if you're going to get to a bowl, if you're going to find that extra win somewhere, you have to find a way to get off the field on third and long. And I don't know if that's something where they say, hey, we were in position to get off and, and this guy didn't execute. And so that's what happened here. I don't know if it's something where you look at it and say, Blake Shapin was – was awfully comfortable back there on third and long, you know, maybe we need to dial up some things to, to try and send some guys at, at future quarterbacks or, or what the solution is. But when you get into that spot and, and let's be, let's be real here. One, you want to get off, get off the field in those spots. But the other thing is it's really debilitating to a defense to get somebody behind the chains like that, where you can almost taste them getting off the field and then they convert. And, mm-hmm. you know, looking at, at who Kansas has left on the schedule, you know, Kansas State will go for it on fourth down if if it's relatively close. Uh, Texas Tech went for it on fourth down, what, eight times against Texas? I mean, it, and so when you look at, at that stuff, at that point, when you get them into third and long, you don't just need to execute to, you know, to not give them the first down you need to hold them to a spot where they can't really consider going for it on fourth down either. And, and so 
I think that that was that was a really big and maybe undersold part of this is if Kansas was able to even with the short fields, even with the issues they were having, if the defense could have gotten off the field on those third and longs, mm. this is probably a different game, and, and you know, and it's a different game. I think. You know, we, we've been sort of harping on all this stuff. One of the things I do want to say is this is a very smart staff. And oh, yeah. we've seen this over the course of the season. Um, they made adjustments. And, and I thought that, you know, as easy as it is to say, well, Baylor let up or, you know, whatever else, uh, I thought, you know, Kansas was able to find some success both offensively and do some things defensively to – to kind of take away some of the things that, that were maybe hurting them early on. Yeah. The issue is you just, and, and you know, we have this running joke this season, right? The game doesn't even start until you're 14 points down. That eliminates such, so much margin. When do you just, you go out and, and you're down 14 points down 24 points. In this case, you're down 25 points um, at, at 28 to three. And, and so, when you have all of that, it really it puts you behind the eight ball in a way that in a way that that you shouldn't be. And wow. when you look at the way the defense played in the second half, you know Baylor scored one touchdown in the second half, and it was on the most important drive that the defense faced. Mm-hmm. And, but at the same time, if you executed in the first half, if you had done you know the things that that you were supposed to do it. And I'm not just saying defensively, I'm saying offensively, you add another touchdown in there in the first half, you execute it at certain points. You don't turn the ball over. Maybe you don't absolutely have to have that one stop in that situation. Yeah, exactly. And you look at the third down numbers and even fourth down, right? So Baylor in the first half goes six of nine on third down, two for two on fourth down. Second half, right, it flips where all of a sudden they go two for seven on third down and one for two on fourth down, right? And that that one fourth down stop was pretty big, right? It ends up sparking one of those touchdown drives. But for me, when I look at the offensive performance in the first half, right, any game plan you had is out the window, right? It's out the window. It doesn't matter anymore. And what does KU want to do? They want to run the ball, control the clock, shorten the game, right? You want to look at the pace of play? You know, K is the slowest team in the Big 12, and it's close with K-State, right? They're a few plays per minute, you know, a a few percentage points uh, faster. But K is the slowest team offensively in the Big 12, the 109th slowest offense nationally out of the 131 FBS teams. This is a team that wants to control the ball, run it, and then on defense, control the ball by using those substitutions. And when all of a sudden you have to start throwing the ball – it puts so much pressure on the offense and your backup quarterback and Jason Bean to go out there and make plays. And I just, it was another game where early on, I just felt like something was missing with the offense. Obviously the run game couldn't get going. They finished with 56 yards for the whole game, but even Jason Bean was completing about 50% of his passes. I want to say in the first half, and it's just not great. So I think for me, when I look at it early on, you're just so behind the eight ball that it puts so much pressure on Jason Bean to yeah. go out and make big time plays. And Jason Bean's a good quarterback. And I still am of the belief that if he has to play more this season, he will put KU in a position to win games, but you need to play complimentary football 
with your backup quarterback. And they just weren't able to do that. And I think you look at the offensive line, I think for a lot of the season, they've been good. They've yeah. been really good, especially protecting the quarterback. You know, I, they've got very few sacks, the fewest in the Big 12. But against this Baylor defensive front, there just wasn't any push up front. And guys like Devin Neal just couldn't get anything going. And then all of a sudden, when there's no run game, you're relying on those wide receivers to go make plays. And KU was without Luke Grimm on Saturday. And so all of a sudden, you're seeing Douglas and Million play a lot more. Obviously, Trevor Wilson was out there a lot more. So again, this is one of those things where just everything really compounded for KU in the first half. And I mean, man, you want to look at the first half numbers. I mean, man, 76 yards in the first half total. Um, in the end, the 56 rushing yards is the fewest they've had under Lance Leipold, period. You know, they had more than that in every game last year. Just a really poor offensive game from KU. And I think for me in the first half, it just comes down to when they needed big plays, they really just, just couldn't do it against that Baylor defense. And I think for me, when you look at the second half, things really changed when Baylor kind of went a little softer coverage. Lance Leipold kind of said it post game. He, I don't know if he meant to say it, but he said that Baylor went soft and they were able to take advantage of that. So I think for me, I probably pin this overall result performance more on the offense than the defense, because I think you look in the second half with the defense, they already get stops. Once they stopped giving Baylor the ball inside their own territory, you know, Kay's defense was okay. And they got stops when they needed to, for the most part, outside of the one that they actually had to get yeah. later in the game. So I think for me, I just look at it holistically and KU needs to play complimentary football, and they just weren't able to. And again, it goes back to the start. You need to start better in these games. And how many times is it now, right? You fall back 14-0 against Houston, against West Virginia. You fall two possessions behind against TCU. Now you do it again here. You just look at it, and it's like, man, the team's not good enough to overcome that consistently. They were early in the season because they had a Heisman quarterback, right, as their leader and the guy that was leading the team. Now you don't have that. You have a quarterback that is – Decent, right? For power five. Sure. Decent, right? Big drop off, though, compared to where they were early in the season and the ability to overcome that. Yeah. And I think, you know, here, here's, you know, the bolded takeaway, I guess. Mm. Kansas has to run the ball. Kansas cannot be successful in, in a big game like this without being able to run the ball. And it's not even necessarily about, Kansas has to run the ball because that's what it does best or whatever else. A lot of it's about tempo. Mm -hmm. A lot of it is about, like you said, playing complimentary football. It's about taking some of the weight off your quarterback. It's about taking some of the weight off your defense. And even beyond that, if you just want to get into a broad description of it, Michael, if you're playing one-on-one -on -one against Michael Jordan, and the score is first to two, you've got a chance. I'm not saying it's a great chance, but like you could rise up and hit a single jump shot and win that game, right? You, you could rise up and, and hit a shot and win that game. If it's the 25, you've got no chance mm. because he is significantly better. It's more possessions. You know, even if you luck out and hit like five shots, you're still losing by a lot. And so that's the model when you have a less talented team, when you have a less good team, you know, and that's, that, that's a harsh way to put it, but it is what it is. And it's, it's basically the, the way that 
did Bill Snyder coach football? And I know that, you know, there are a lot of people who are probably like, man, why, why would you bring Bill Snyder up here? I always joke around that Bill Snyder won more games in college football than any other coach where the other team walked off the field feeling like they were the better team. Mm. Oh man, we would have beaten, you know, K-State today, except for A, B, or C. K-State wins 17 to 13. Mm. And he slowed the tempo. He made sure there were fewer possessions. They ran the balls. A lot of times it was ugly. And, and you said, hey, man, like, I, I can't believe they won this 12 to 7 game or whatever. And I'm not saying this Kansas team is typically going to win 12 to 7 games. What I am saying is, Running the ball is not just running the ball to get five yards on first down. It's not necessarily running the ball for different reasons. One of the things that it does is you're trying to kind of chip away and shorten the game. You're trying to make it to where your quarterback faces third and three rather than third and eight. And so all of those things sort of sort of factor in. And so when you're looking at Kansas against a team like Baylor hmm. – it was really tough for Kansas to block Siaki Ika up front. Um, and, and he's he's had a really good year, the the nose tackle for Baylor. Um, but at the same time, I, I think that when you look at the recipe for success, because I, I did see some Twitter comments and things like that where people were saying, why didn't we just throw the ball like that all game? And, and I think – you know, you you made a fair point, and Lance Leipold made a fair point that Baylor was probably playing a little bit softer coverage after mm-hmm. they had the lead. But I think even beyond that, Kansas probably, and this isn't a knock on Jason Bean, Kansas probably isn't going to win a game where Jason Bean puts the ball up 55 times. And so if you're going to win that game, even if you're not running the ball effectively – it's not like it's something you can take and just throw away. That's part of your that's part of how you win. That that that's how you you fight your battles. And so I think that the running game while while it didn't, you know, while it wasn't successful and you and I, you know, one more quick thing on that. Mm-hmm. We talk a lot about how much Kansas misses Jalen Daniels and Kansas does miss Jalen Daniels in multiple ways, one of which being, I think, his leadership even. I think they got a charge out of the emotion yeah. that it shows. People don't talk enough about how much Kansas misses Daniel Hyshaw and his ability to make yards after contact. I think Devin Neal is is a really good back. He's kind of slithery. He's got more home run speed than Hyshaw does. But Hyshaw is the guy that you can give him a carry. You don't block it necessarily the greatest – he puts his pads into the chest of a linebacker and he gets you three or four yards and you chip away and learn to fight it, lived and to fight mm-hmm. another play. And so I do think that that's maybe an absence that, that maybe doesn't get discussed as much as it should. Yep. And I thought Lance Apple actually had a really good comment about it post game where you go back to the first four weeks of the season when KU is playing probably is compared to now the better football. Who yeah. are the guys making plays? Jalen Daniels. Daniel Hyshaw, Kenny yep. Logan to some degree, uh, definitely Lonnie Phelps. Yep. What's what do all those guys have in common? They've all been banged up. And you go to someone like Lonnie Phelps and don't forget Kobe Bryant. I mean, makes the oh, play against West Virginia and makes yeah. Exactly that too. So that brings me to this where this team needs a bye week. Yeah. So badly. Badly. Yeah. 
this bye week, you know, obviously Lansopoulos talked about it where it's like, okay, do you want the bye week in week two or now? Obviously you take it now. You probably wish the bye week was this specific weekend, <laughs> not this next weekend. Sure. But here's a, here's a rundown of some of the injuries to starters, right? Kobe Bryant misses the game with the lower leg injury. Kenny Logan and Lonnie Phelps have been banged up since week two. Tywin Berryhill played the game with a club on his arm. and he, That hand has been bugging him for a few weeks now. All right, cool. Let's go to offense, right? Daniels misses the game. Daniel Hyshaw, probably not going to play again this season. Luke Grimm, out for this game. Michael Ford, your starting guard, missed a, a good chunk of that second half, right? And Armaje Reed Adams had to come in for him, right? That's you're, you're approaching, you're getting somewhere close to about 10 starters, guys that play a lot and are good players being out. That is huge for a team that, again, we talk about, about the depth that Kansas has at positions, but when that depth wears down, like running back, for example, mm-hmm. well, all of a sudden, Devin Neal, they're still wanting to manage that workload, but the drop-off from Highshaw to someone like, you know, I, I didn't mention Kai Thomas. Kai Thomas has been banged up too and really yeah. hasn't looked like he's found his footing so it, far this and year. Even, and even while it's not an injury, you know, Trevor Wilson is just getting back into the swing of things as well. Yeah. And so yeah. it, it's a lot. It, it is. is. And overall, right, you talk about the depth, right? Okay, you feel better about that. But it, it doesn't change the fact that those are really good players that you're missing. Yeah. And so, you know, we'll see about Jalen Daniels, right? Back in practice a little bit this week, warmed up ahead of the game. I think if he doesn't play against Oklahoma State, I think I'd be a little bit surprised. Also. Yeah. I think this is trending towards that direction. Same thing with Kobe Bryant. I think he'll be back. I think this is a team that once they come out of the bye week, I think they'll look – closer to what you saw in the first four weeks of the season than what you saw the last four weeks, which even going back to that Duke game, I mean, you remember how many times guys were leaving the field in that Duke game, right? That game was physical. And Lance Lapple yeah. came out the next Monday and said, yeah, guys are not feeling as good as they felt at the start of the season. And from there, it's kind of slowly kind of built and compounded. as You play more and more and you're playing physical teams. Baylor is physical. Oklahoma is physical. You know, you look at Iowa State, that defensive, that defense yeah. is physical, right? So overall, you're playing such physical teams and it's starting to wear on you. So I think the bye week is going to be huge for this team. Uh, big picture for you, Kevin, go and look at Saturday. I feel like we've been kind of negative, um, <laughs> which I get, right? Bad performance. And it's totally right to criticize, be negative. Um, I think giving credit to the team for the fight that they showed is sure. something that for me, at least it is huge. Years past against Baylor, they fold, right? 16 yeah. or 23 points is the most they've scored against Baylor since 2011, I think is what I put out there. And yeah. it's the closest margin of defeat for Kansas against Baylor since 2011 as well. This is a game that KU gets smoked in every year for the last decade. And this year they, you know, had a, had, you know, really 30 minutes where they were uncompetitive and then 30 minutes where they were pretty good. So if you want to look at progress through that lens, cool power to you I, I i lean that way i'm more on the optimism side of hey you're showing fight right see preseason expectations what did i talk about be competitive in games make it a game in the fourth quarter well that was a game in the fourth quarter so yeah. for me i think those are some of the positives i have some more but i'm curious for you like what do you think are positives from this game yeah i i think one of the other things too is you talked about all the guys that they need to get back and, and I, I i hear that it, and you know that happens to a lot of teams in one year. You know, I, it kind of cracked me up. I was uh, transcribing uh, Jeff Halfley 
from Boston College, and somebody asked him, they said, uh, they said, your bye week come at a, a good time for you, you know, with you guys being so banged up. And he says, I wish, wish it came a week earlier. And I, and I felt like that was Kansas, yeah. right? And, but, but the other thing is, is I think you saw some guys kind of getting pushed onto the field in, in interesting situations. What a play by Jeremy Robinson. Mm. You know, I mean, that was, that, that was a terrific play. You saw Craig Young have a great play in coverage at, at one point. Lorenzo McCaskill, you know, made a, a nice play or two in, in run support. You're asking these guys uh, to to make plays who who weren't always out there. Quentin Skinner's getting better by the week, and I know that he had, you know, the the turnovers at the start. Great catch. When was the last time that you can remember? Because Kansas has had so, some solid wideouts, mm-hmm. you know, with with um, Stephen Sims and different guys, but. How many? When was the last time you could remember Kansas having six two six three guy that could outrun defensive backs down the field and, and get open like that? And, and so I think there are a lot of individual things that you look at. You know, heading into to yesterday's game, I I thought Mike Nowitzki was maybe having an All Big Twelve type season. You know, I think he's having a a really good year. And so I think. One of the things that that gets lost in, in the Leipold um, in the Leipold comments about uh, margin of error that we mm. talk about quite a bit is we aren't talking about that if Kansas wasn't close, and, and I think that I think that that's the main positive that I take out of this is it's not Lance Leipold sitting up there when Kansas loses forty five to ten and he's saying well. Our guys have to realize you can't false start, you can't do this, and you can't do that. And when you, when somebody makes a mistake on a football field, let's just say a wide receiver drops a pass, there are different ways that you can address it, right? Some coaches are going to go totally hard ass and they're going to curse that guy until the sun goes down and tell him he's terrible, right? There's the coach who's going to say, okay, you know, that's fine. You'll get them next time and, and go the other way. But there's a really valuable, I think, middle road in there where you say to the guy, we can't have you dropping that pass. You're better than that. Mm-hmm. And where you're both, you know, you're both talking them up and saying, look, you're a good football player. That wasn't a good football play. You you need to you need to make that play, and I think that's where Lance Leipold is at, right? I, I think he's walking kind of that middle of the road, where he's not excusing it. He's not saying, "Oh, that was okay for you to fumble. Oh, that was okay for you to be in out of position on third and long." He's also not going out there and just dog cussing them and saying, "You're terrible. You should never play at Kansas." Whatever. What he's doing is saying. We can win this football game. And the fact that he can say that, you know, is a tremendous step forward from where mm-hmm. he said. But he's saying in order to win this football game, you have to be the football player that we know you are and that we know you can be. We know you can execute this. Mm-hmm. So execute it. And I think that's a positive for me looking forward is, is taking that away is the fact that, Kansas isn't far off and, and Kansas is in sort of the spot where Leipold can criticize and say, Hey, you know, guys, we, 
we've got to clean this up. We've got to be better. But he can do it from the lens of, and if we do, we win this football game. And I think as Kansas big picture goes into its final four games, it does give you some encouragement that, hey, that Kansas team from the second half is there. Mm-hmm. And if Kansas cleans up the first half, Kansas is going bowling this season. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yeah, and I think it's that. It's you clean up small bits. This isn't you need a a ton of new players or you need need a, a grocery shopping list of things to happen. This is you need three or four things to go differently and you can win ball games. And I think yeah. that is where the progress is being made and where the team has already shown progress, right? They haven't gotten blown out yet this year, right? And I think that's a part of it where at the end of the game, you look at the final score and you can look at the numbers, right? You want to go by yards per play, that's pretty even, right? Baylor just ran more plays because KU could not sustain drives, right? You go to Oklahoma. You give up so many yards, right? And yet your offense is still able to kind of keep you in the game a little bit, even if when the game mattered most, right, in the middle of the first half, they weren't there. Cool, you're still pointing at one section of the game where you need improvement to be able to win. And I think that, for me, is huge progress. I think you mentioned the individuals. That, for me, is when I look at a game like this and say, wow, this is cool that you're seeing guys come out there and show that they can play. Let's use Marvin Grant for an example. Um, sure. And I'll talk about some other guys. Um, he shows up in the summer. That's tough, right? His first time playing with this team was in fall camp. And as the season has gone along, I thought early on in the season, it just looked slow, looked a step slow with bad angles, missed some tackles. And then all of a sudden, yesterday, when Baylor's run the ball a bunch, right, it's not great that they're getting to the third level of the defense before they see a guy. But Marvin Grant, I didn't, I don't think he missed a single tackle, right? And he ends up with 11 and seven of them are solo right? That's positive because you look at his eligibility going forward. He has multiple years left. So you've got right there a boundary safety that you know you can trust that has experience that can make big plays for you. And you're learning that, okay, he can hang against a physical team like Baylor. You look at two young guys we talked about before, right? Tommy Dunn and and DJ Withers. Sure, They're playing 10 snaps. 
10, 15 snaps a game. And on Saturday against Baylor, I thought Tommy Dunn, there was no drop off between him and someone like Caleb Sampson. You know, it's just little bits of experience and knowing how to do certain things and handle yourself. But the fact that he went out there and did not get manhandled or pancaked is a huge development, right? He's yep. a redshirt freshman that just went out and played against one of the top three physical offensive lines in the Big 12. I think that's fair yeah. to say. Yeah. And didn't get his butt kicked. That is positive. So I think we'll hold maybe on Westmoreland. Yeah, out. him too. That's a good point. Yeah. Right, Juco transfer who's going to redshirt this year, but still comes out there. And he came in late too. And and I think that's one of the things when you have so many additions, it's so easy to look at it and say, well, Marvin Grant is really good. He's going to play right away. Lorenzo McCaskill is really good. Mm. He's going to play right away. And there's a learning curve. You're learning a new system. You're going to a new school. Your football complex is in a different place than your football complex was before. Your meals are in different places. Your classes are in different buildings. You know, I don't think people realize how big of an adjustment it is when you do switch schools like that. And for these guys who, who came in late, like McCaskill, like Grant coming in and like you said, playing his first, you know, ball in the fall, like Davion Westmoreland, who was a late addition. The fact that these guys are are out on the field, they're having, you know, solid moments and everything against, mm-hmm. you know, some better big 12 teams. That doesn't just bode well for this year, Michael. Like that's how you build your program. Exactly. Exactly. And you think about it, right? These are young guys that are coming in, right? You're going to lose a lot of defensive tackles, right? Caleb Sampson, sure. Caleb Sampson is having a great year. So yeah. is Eddie Wilson. You're going to lose both those guys. Well, you've got guys coming through the pipeline now that you feel good about, right? Wide receiver, you're going to turn a lot of guys, right? You know, you look at running back, you return a lot of guys. And that's what makes this whole thing about building, right? Building a program, building depth. I think from my perspective, it's why winning one more game this season is so important for Kansas to almost hit – I don't want to say fast forward because I think we already kind of hit fast forward on it, right? Yeah. But those practices oh, in yeah. December, when you can work on getting those young guys more snaps, right? You can build that offensive line depth that Lance Lapel talked a lot about during the preseason of saying we need more of that. You can work on building that and getting those guys more reps on the field, right? Even if some of your super seniors are leaving, you know they're leaving. Guess what? You just stole yourself, what is it, 15 practices, something yep. like that? Yeah, it's an extra spring. It, it's an extra spring practice. Yeah, you right? just like an, a, an extra full spring. And typically, I mean, coaches vary, but typically, and guessing this is the way Kansas would handle it if they went bowling, you use about half of those practices not to prepare for the bowl, but for your young guys. Mm-hmm. And so you've got guys who are not going to start your bowl game, they're working with the ones. And they're going out there and they're getting repetitions and chances to develop and things like that. And so that's why those practices are, are really so valuable. Yep, exactly. And so for me, I look at this and obviously the performance itself on Saturday was not great, right? A lot to improve. But for me, who's somewhat of an eternal optimist, right? Sure. I think you find some of those moments where you're like, okay, this is still headed in the right direction. A bad result of the three-game losing streak does not change the fact that this is a successful season. Even if people's expectations change, even my own expectations changed, right? I'm some of the opinion that Kansas will win one more game this year. But it doesn't change the fact that they've won five games. They've had their best season since 2009. 
And basically they will return just about everybody on the 2D for the most part, right outside of a couple spots and maybe some guys transfer. But I think you can go take this tape from this year and show some of the guys that have been really good, like Lonnie Phelps. You can go show some stud defensive ends if you want to go get a defensive end. I don't know if they will or not, but you can go show that to guys and say, hey, look, we had Lonnie Phelps come in in the spring and play well. Like, look at this. So I think for me, it's one of those Saturday, not a great day overall, but it's one of those performances where you can pluck some of the positives right out of it and say, looking ahead, you know, things are still going in the right direction. Um, but I think you can also acknowledge that, hey, that was not good. And I think Lance Leipold and the coaches have said it. Um, and I'm sure they'll say it on Monday when we talk to Leipold again, that, hey, that was not good enough. Um, but for me, I just think that, hey, sometimes you got to flush games. And if you want to pick progress parts, right, it's Baylor. So any other thoughts? Yeah. So we do a question segment usually at the end of this. And, and you know, so I want to go ahead and ask you a question. Oh, gosh. No, no, it, it's it's not bad. We've talked on this show repeatedly about how Kansas has not put together a full 60 minutes yet. They uh, haven't. They haven't they haven't put together an effort where you would look at it and say that's peak Kansas right there. They they came out, they saw they conquered all, all the way through. Mm-hmm. Where's your optimism level with four games left that that we see Kansas put together at least a full 45, 50, if not all together, 60 minutes in one of those four games. Where's my optimism? That's a really good question. Um, I'm pretty optimistic. I still think that this bye week is going to be so huge for that, right? Yeah. You talk about playing a full game. What does that entail? You know, I think that getting guys fresh where they can execute is a big part of that. I think getting your star quarterback back on the field and playing is a big part of that. So I think that we will see a more complete game. I don't know if Katie's going to play a full perfect 60 minutes. I think that's probably a little bit unrealistic at this point. That's what every coach wants, right? Every coach chases. And and there's going to be mistakes. Guys are going to make mistakes. That's just going to happen. But I think you look at the remaining games and I think KU can play a really good game, a really good 50 minute game and still lose. Yeah, you, yeah, you could play Texas, and it, and, it, and it might happen against Oklahoma State. Like, yeah, it, you know, exactly. Oklahoma State's a, a good football team, and it could be that Kansas comes out and, and when I when I say a perfect sixty minutes, I'm not talking you know put up six hundred yards of offense, hold the other team to two hundred, you know, win by eighty billion points. What what I'm saying is be crisp and complete. Don't beat yourself, and yeah. and, I, and I think that that's what we haven't seen all the way through, right? If Kansas can avoid turnovers, if it can execute defensively to where guys are in the right spots, they're they're playing cleanly. And, and I mean, and even then, sometimes you're going to give up plays, right? Like even if guys live out their assignments, occasionally the other guy is just going to be better than you. He's going to go up and he's going to make a catch or he's going to outrun your guy in space or, or whatever else. But I think when, when I look at, at answering my own question, I guess, I'm also optimistic. I think when you look at, at things like the way Kansas played at times against Oklahoma, at the way Kansas played at times against TCU, for a lot of the TCU game, to be frank, mm-hmm. if you look at the way that, that Kansas played at times against Baylor, 
I do think in one of these final four games, we're going to have a game where you and I sit here and, and win or lose. We're just like, Kansas played well. You know, it, 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 they did they did what they could. You know, they, they left it out there, and, and maybe that results in a win, and, and maybe it's a loss, but where we look at it and say Kansas did what it could. Yeah, and I think for me, I think you look at it, it's not did Kansas play perfectly in all three phases. Can you leave the game and say Kansas played well in all three phases? Yeah. And I, they haven't really done that yet against a, a, a Power 5 FBS opponent yet. And, yeah, I do think it will happen. So I think that'll do it for us. Um, I think we've got enough of the negativity <laughs> early on and then probably a little too much optimism maybe at the end. I don't know. You be the judge of that. But uh, thank you always as – for listening to the fog.net podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you subscribe to the channel, like, um, and make sure if you're also watching on YouTube, you head over to the podcast platforms and subscribe. So if you can't access the YouTube video, right, you're driving, you're commuting, you can listen to the podcast version of the show. It's the same name, um, the fog, a Kansas athletic podcast. And so thank you as always for listening. Um, we'll probably have a midweek basketball podcast because we're getting close to basketball season and then we'll be back next sunday to talk about the bye week and look ahead to oklahoma state thank you as always kevin for joining and we will talk to you all in just a few days jeremy renner returns to paramount plus for a brand new season of the original hit series mayor of kingstown my job is to create a balance avoid a war from executive producer taylor sheridan co-creator of yellowstone there's some new players in town and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+.